Hi everybody and welcome to Coffee Pods. My name is Lisa and it's great to be with you. We've also got Wes joining us. Hello Wes. Morning, hi, how you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. It's good to be back, isn't it? Uh, certainly is. I'm just had, I've just had COVID, so it's good to be anywhere. Gosh. <laughs> you know. Gosh, yeah, even if it's online. I know, come on. Yeah. Oh, well, we've got a cracker uh, for you to start off with now that okay. you're back. Um, All right. So we've obviously at Acorn Christian Live, at our events, um, services, things like that, we've had different themes to talk about. Um, And some of these themes have actually come out of the Healing Academy, which is our year long training program. So just to give some context for those of you who aren't familiar, um, we listen to what people are asking um, and uh, wanting to talk about. And then we we look at it we discuss it together and so some different topics and themes have come out over the last month um and we have faced a little bit of criticism on social media recently (laughs) (laughs) um about some analogies that we've used that are, are from scripture um referring to the holy spirit and one of them was wine Um, And I understand that that can be a touchy subject for some people. But um, what's your response in in people being maybe offended by us talking about the Holy Spirit like wine? Um, That's a great question, Lisa. And of course, the the truth is that we never really go out to offend people. You know, it's not like what's the way that we can do this that's going to be the most troublesome for people. Um, I, I think... The first thing I would say is um, I, I learned um, along the road as a leader to to listen to your critics or to give your critics a hearing, because sometimes they can see things that you can't see. And it, it can be just, you know, you, it can be a blind spot and all leaders have blind spots. So I always made a habit of saying, OK, let me let me see what's behind this. I think the other thing that comes alongside it is the fact that we are. As we interpret scripture, and that's what we're doing all the time in in any theological endeavor, we're trying to sort of work out what it means and and, and what it means, not just in its original text, but what it now means for us, how we apply it. But of course, the big problem with that is we are trying to express infinite truths in finite words. So if you like, you're trying to just get this huge immense picture of god and you're just trying to put it down into a into a phrase or a word or a concept that your brain can understand but we recognize that it's only partial understanding that we you know we're just getting a little bit of of the thing so how did i get to the holy spirit coming as wine well, it was part of a series on on the way that the holy spirit is described to us in scripture so you know jesus uses the analogy of water uh, and uh, and there's the picture of oil. Uh, um, he also talks about the wind, you know, says to Nicodemus, um, you know, the wind blows way wherever it wills. You don't see it coming. You don't see it going. And, and it's like that with the spirit. And so there's a whole um, thing of that. And of course, one of the things was the image of wine, um, you know, new wine, the wine of the kingdom, a uh, whole uh, language about that, but particularly about Pentecost, where they are. Um, 
the, the disciples are accused of being drunk. And Peter says, look, these guys aren't drunk with wine, you know, but th- they are filled with the spirit. This is what Joel promised. And of course, uh, Paul goes on to say, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I just took that analogy of saying, not in suggesting at all that people should get drunk, whatever, but just saying, isn't it interesting that one of the um, images that is used to describe the spirit is uh, his coming into us changed everything. So, and and because I, I don't think you've ever seen anybody who's drunk, but I've noticed that for people who get drunk, it's not just a leg that gets drunk or a finger that gets drunk. It's all of them. And so I was just trying to reflect how when the, when the spirit comes, um, he comes to affect all of our life, body, mind and spirit, our attitudes, our values, everything. Not just if you like, and, and you know, I might even get into criticism for saying this now, but not even just the Sunday bits of our lives. And so I was trying to um, just say that the Holy Spirit, if, if we just understood the analogy of wine, you know, and, 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 and how his coming would change our inner state, our inner lives. Um, and of course, that's clearly what happened for the, the apostles at Pentecost. Yeah, thank you. That, that does bring some clarity. And actually, something really cool that happened the other day was I was talking about this with a friend um and they're partial to a drink (laughs) (laughs) and and they it's so interesting because they were saying that they they know what it's like to be drunk they didn't need me to explain that part to them um but they want that without the alcohol they Uh they want that feeling of being taken over the joy the the freeness that they said alcohol was bringing them they wanted that without the alcohol and and it was wonderful because I was able to say so you know you know what that feels like but there's another way to to feel what you're feeling absolutely in fact um, I'll tell you so we had um uh Mary was planting a church it's our second congregation in Vineyard mm-hmm. um and uh, on a council estate and we had a team in to come and do a little mission with us and everything else and um there was a, a lady uh, on the estate. She was well known on the estate for various things, one of which was that people used to come to her house and take drugs yeah. and whatever. And the interesting thing about it is that uh, two of the team were just talking to her about Jesus and a, an event we'd run actually in her house, funnily <laughs> enough. We ran the event in her house. <laughs> and um, they said, Can we pray for you? And so they they asked her and they could they laid hands on her and they prayed that she would have an encounter with Jesus by his spirit and the holy spirit came so powerfully upon her that when it was over she said i have never had as big a buzz as that through any of the drugs i've taken wow and, and, you know, it really caught our imagination that when the Holy Spirit comes uh, upon us, and yes, it is by faith. Yes, it is a, an, an inward thing. Absolutely. But actually, time and again through Scripture, when the Holy Spirit comes, he is seen as a very tangible experience. People feel it happening to them. 
they feel the change that the presence of the Holy Spirit has brought into them. And so a bit like your friend saying, do you know, I really want that without getting, you know, the alcohol. I totally understand that. And I was trying to sort of hint at that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I think that's really helpful just to have a, a little bit more explanation. But another thing, <laughs> this this is nothing to do with um analogies yeah. um and wine and fire and yeah, another one. <laughs> but something we looked at last year, I think it was, in uh what what was the school of healing too. Um we looked at lots of different um people who were in the healing ministry, didn't we? Yeah. And there were some strange and challenging characters in the way that they ministered um I mean we looked at things like you know pushing people over (laughs) hitting sickness out of people I just say that's not what we do here at Acorn this is stuff we were looking that other people were doing but what about these challenging characters Wes? Um I'll be honest I I love reading the 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 healing stories uh, both in the scriptures and Mm -hmm. I love reading the healing stories throughout church history and yes some of them would make your hair stand on end in in your average western Sunday morning church I mean certainly I mean let alone I mean just take this I mean Isaiah when he goes back to pray for Hezekiah, he tells his servants to put a poultice of figs on, on a boil on uh, King Hezekiah's body. Now, I don't know anybody in the healing ministry, you know, in a, in a prayer group who carries around a poultice of figs to use uh, just in case you need one. And, and so there are some things which are both cultural, there are some things which are part of history, and there are some things that are part of different methodologies that aren't ours. But I I think one of the things I've discovered, and I know it's hard, but that God has the right to do things I've never seen before. And so some of the characters that came, Smith Wigglesworth, you know, punching somebody in the stomach, you know, to, to, to be healed and whatever, and I have no idea how hard he punched them. So, you know, I wasn't there. But then, of course, some of these characters they didn't end well, Lisa. Yeah. Um, some of them, uh, a guy called William Branham uh, ended up in, in heresy. Um, others ended up in bankruptcy um, and, uh, and, and others, um, you know, I mean, it, it, it's littered. I mean, um, you know, Catherine Kuhlman married somebody that she regretted and her friends had told her she shouldn't have done. And, and in, that was in the middle of, of her ministry, you know, and, and she then went on um, after that, um, uh, having uh, separated from the gentleman concerned, who himself was an evangelist and ended up in prison and, and, and dying there, you know. And, and so you think, Lord, what on earth is happening here? Yeah. But if I bring it down to me, the first thing we did in looking at their lives is we never said we endorse everything that they did. Yeah. In fact, we never said we endorse everything that they believe. What we wanted to do is to say, why did they think that? How did they come to that conclusion? We wanted to sift the good from the bad because God clearly did use them very significantly and very powerfully in the early days of their life. And I wanted to know, how did that happen? And, and yes, are there lessons that we can learn 
that would say, avoid that, don't go down that path. So one of them, uh, it was very simple. Um, and, and people who knew him and, and commented on his life afterwards said it was this, that God had had called him to be an evangelist. But actually, he also then decided that he wanted to be a theological Bible teacher. Okay. And he wasn't gifted for that. Mm. So, of course, in the evangelists in the telling of stories, which is what, you know, happens. Yeah. But actually, it's not always necessarily good doctrine. They've got great doctrine about the cross and about Jesus and about sin and everything else. But actually, if you wanted to ask people about the theology of uh, suffering or whether women should be in ministry or, you know, a whole host of other things, you might not necessarily ask them to be the person to describe it to you. Yeah. And actually, that was the mistake. And actually, so for us, the lesson we learned out of that is keep to the thing that God has called you to do. Don't try and copy something else that God is doing with someone else. And, and I know that it, I know it was hard for people for us to talk about, you know, John G. Lake and A.A. And a. Allen and people like that and, 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 and people who, who in themselves were criticised during their life and ministry. So I guess we're in good company. Yeah, definitely. And I am. I, I think I remember you saying when we were looking at them that you know they didn't start out like that. Like oh. it's it's something that has happened in their journey. Yeah, yeah. And 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 because that for me and and for those of us who were studying it made perfect sense. They didn't start out to be wrong, to be heretics, to lose the plot, to, to get drawn away from it. They didn't start out like that. But I don't start out, I didn't start out like that. You didn't. And actually, maybe even those who criticise us for looking at, at, at their lives, they certainly didn't start yeah. with that intention. Yeah. But we wanted to learn from wisdom. But the other thing I would say is this. If you go through the Bible, okay, just bring it back to the Bible, and you look at some of the people that God used who did not end well. Yeah. King Saul. Um, Paul says that Demas has left me for love of the world. There was a moment when John Mark lost the plot as far as Paul was concerned. And Judas, I mean, and the 11, they certainly didn't <laughs> necessarily get it all right. Do you know the wonder for me is that God uses people okay he uses me in my frailty and in my partial understanding and and you know i'm not claiming to be a hundred percent right about a hundred percent of the things a hundred percent of the time um i love i love the phrase that john wimber used and some people might even <laughs> criticize us for looking <laughs> at john wimber which we did but do you know what john used to say of himself when asked you know what what was he he just said i'm just a fat man trying to get to heaven Oh well. And most of us, Lisa, are just trying to do what Jesus wants us to do. Yeah. And you know, we're we're doing it to the best of our hearts and our knowledge. And that's why we do need one another. And that's why the healing ministry is a communal thing, a community thing, rather than an, an individual thing. Yeah, thank you. And I was just gonna ask, like finally, do you feel like the healing ministry is attracted to criticism? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, Absolutely. You know, um, it, it all the way through its history. I mean, honestly, if you go back 
to the church fathers and, and everything else, it's always had its critics. Because I think when it's genuine, it challenges our desire to control the reality that we oh, live. Oh, yes. Yeah. And suddenly God coming out of, um, you know, the, the church box, if you like, yeah. and, and, and being alive and, 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 and being among us and active. I mean, just take the healing at the gate beautiful. Yeah. You know, God was supposed to remain in the temple. Yeah. But he didn't. He came out to the outside of the temple precincts and healed the guy in the name of Jesus. And of course, that got the disciples into an awful lot of trouble. I mean, terrible trouble with the religious leaders. So I think for all of us, it means we should examine our own hearts all the time, both as those who you know, the object of criticism and perhaps, you know, when we feel that we want to criticise others. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just love what you said at sort of towards the start. I wrote it down because I want it on a plaque. <laughs> it was, God has the right to do things I've never seen before. Yeah. I think that for me, that is something to ground me and humble me um, in so many ways, but especially because for some reason it feels really easy to be critical and mm-hmm. then and I don't know why that is. I, I don't know. It just seems to come naturally. Maybe it's our British culture. I'm not sure. Um, but that humbles me. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I reckon that that is about it. Unless there's anything yeah. else you want to share. Good for me. But, you know, we welcome people's feedback. Yeah, absolutely. And so next week, we're looking forward to starting a new series um, where we're looking at the big whys and lots of questions around why uh, within the healing ministry, why is there suffering, for example, um, is one example. But we look forward to catching you soon. Take care, guys. Thanks, Wes. Okay, bye.